Al-Bayan Radio presents a brief explanation of the 40 hadith of Imam al-Nawawi presented by Farhan bin Rafi' Ahmed. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Inna alhamdulillah nahmaduhu wa nasta'inu wa nasta'gfiruh. Wa na'udhu billahi min shuroori anfusina min sayyati a'malina man yahdihillah falamudillala. Wa man yudlil falan tajida lahu waliya murshida. وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله الأحد القهار وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون Indeed all praise and thanks belongs to Allah tabarak wa ta'ala We seek his help, his assistance and guidance in all things He whom Allah tabarak wa ta'ala guides there is no misguidance for him And he whom Allah tabarak wa ta'ala leads astray There is no guidance for him except through the will and permission of Allah tabarak wa ta'ala alone And I bear witness and testify that there is no deity worthy of worship except Allah. And that Muhammad ibn Abdullah ibn Abdul Muttalib al-Hashimi was the final messenger and prophet sent to all of mankind. O you who believe, fear Allah as he deserves to be feared. And do not die except in a state of Islam. Do not die except that you are Muslims. Rabbi shrahli sadri wa yassirli amri wa ahli al-uqtata min lisani qawli. Firstly, before we start the lesson, I want to talk about two very important things. The first is, this lesson is not salah. This lesson is not prayer. If anyone feels the need to leave, if anyone feels like the class is going too long, ahla wa sahlan wa marhaban, the door is there. You can walk out as you please. The second issue is that we are close upon the month of the Hijjah. And the ibadah for that month is, lo and behold, Hajj. But the sunnah is, that the one who can't go to Hajj also should do a sacrifice. Now the Sunnah of the Prophet wasallam is that this meat in its asl, in its origin, is not technically meant to be a charity. It's not something that you go, give the money out, wazir the food in a third world country or a country back home, wherever it is. And the food gets distributed on the second day, the third day, then they tell you to cut your nails. Uh, that's not the essence of this ibadah. The essence of this ibadah is that you eat from that slaughter also. And this is the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Hatta in the hajj of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Where the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam had over 60 different sheep that he slaughtered. He ordered parts of each of the sheep to be taken, to be cooked together. And he drank the soup that came from that meat. Yani showing you the importance of eating from your own slaughter. So this is the, yani one of the first years that I am seeing that there is more of a, a push that people can also get their qurban done here in Australia and they can actually get their meat. Now it is a very good sunnah. Obviously if you can go cut it yourself, you can. Alhamdulillah, ni'mah wa barakah. But I think that's illegal. So... <laughs> So if you can't, the least you could do is order it from these يعني, abattoirs or however the brothers are organizing it for the local qurban. Get the meat. Now, the sunnah is to eat from your meat. That is one sunnah. The other يعني, thing that is very much recommended is to give the meat out. And some of the scholars have done it in thirds. They've stated, يعني, give a third, take a third for yourself, give a third to يعني, as, as gifts people around you, neighbors, Muslim, non-Muslims, whoever it is, and another third to charity. That's one of the ways the scholars have يعني, brought it up. But obviously anyone who intends to do the Qurban, upon him, him himself, he can do one and up for him and his family. يعني, he takes one and it's enough for him and his family. If he wants to do one for him, one for his wife, one for each child, if, he's, يعني, if he's, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given him, Bismillah, it's even better. But every single person who does the slaughter, who has a qurban, upon him is that he can't take from his hair and his nails. He can't take from, he can't shave, he can't cut his hair until the qurban is done. Now, if he is doing one for the entire family, it does not cover his family, it just covers him. He can't take his nails and he can't cut his hair, but the rest of the family can. And if someone hypothetically speaking, was going to do the Qurban himself with his own hand. Yani, there are certain adab and certain adhkar 
that he can say, that he should say, obviously, Bismillah. <laughs> don't, don't waste your Qurban. But the whole point is, there are two things that, need, that are essential, is that one, you do it after the prayer. After the prayer of Salat al-Eid. The Prophet ﷺ witnessed some people did it before the Salah itself and said, do it again. Do it again. It's not good. It's not, it hasn't been approved. You have to do it again. So that's the first thing. So, if someone wants to do a Qurban today, it doesn't count. So even if you give your money today, it will be slaughtered after the prayer. That's number one. Number two is, you slaughter and it should be a quick slice. And the dua is, Bismillah, هَذَا minni, Allahumma هَذَا minni, walak. This is from me, O oh Allah, in the name of Allah, this is from me and this is for you. This is on to you. And we know that the meat doesn't go to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is a sacrifice that you're doing for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Inshallah, that's clear. Now, we came here for a 40 hadith lesson. So, this is hadith 29, lesson 47, part 2. Part 2 of this hadith. Alhamdulillah, last week we took the narrator of the hadith, Mu'ad ibn Jabal, radiyallahu an. Today, we begin with the hadith. What's the hadith that we're taking? عن معاذ بن جبل رضي الله عنه قال قلت يا رسول الله أخبرني بعمل يدخلني الجنة ويباعدني عن النار قال لقد سألت عن عظيمي وإنه ليسير على من يسره الله تعالى عليه تعبد الله لا تشرك به شيئا وتقيم الصلاة وتؤتي الزكاة وتصوم رمضان وتحج البيت ثم قال ألا أدلك على أبواب الخير الصوم جنة والصدقة تطفئ الخطيئة كما يطفئ الماء النار والصلاة, والصلاة الرجل في جوف الليل ثم تلا قوله سبحانه وتعالى تتجافى جنوبهم عن المضاجع حتى بلغ يعملون ثم قال ألا أخبرك برأس الأمر وعموده وذروة سنامه قلت بلى يا رسول الله قال رأس الأمر الإسلام وعموده الصلاة وذروة سنامه الجهاد ثم قال ألا أخبرك بملاك ذلك كله قلت بلى يا رسول الله فأخذ بلسانه فقال كف عليك هذا قلت يا نبي الله وإنا لمؤاخذون بما نتكلم به فقال ثقلتك أمك يا معاذ وهل يكب الناس في النار على وجوههم أو قال على مناخرهم إلا حصائد ألسنتهم رواه الترمذي وقال حديث حسن صحيح The English translation is from Mu'ad ibn Jabal who said I said O Messenger of Allah tell me of a deed that will take me into paradise and will keep me away from the hellfire He sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said you have asked me about a great matter yet it is indeed an easy matter for him whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes it easy for. It is that you worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala without associating anything with him. That you perform your prayers and that you pay your zakah and that you fast, Ramadan, fast during Ramadan and that you make the pilgrimage to the house. Then he salawatullah wa salamuhu alayhi said, Shall I not guide you to the gates of goodness? To the gates of goodness. Fasting is a shield, sadaqah extinguishes sin as water extinguishes fire, and a man's prayer in the middle of the night. Then he recited, who forsake their beds to cry unto their Lord in fear and hope, and spend of what we have bestowed on them, no soul knows what is kept hidden for them of joy as a reward for what they used to do. Then he said, shall I also tell you of the, mo- of the peak of the matter? its pillar and its topmost part. I said, yes, O Messenger of Allah. He said, the peak of the matter is Islam, submission to Allah. The pillar of the, uh, the pillar is the prayer. And its topmost, topmost part is jihad. Then he, salawatullah wa salamu alayhi, said, and shall I not tell you of the controlling of all of that? I said, yes, O Messenger of Allah. So he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, took hold of his tongue and said, restrain this. I said, O Messenger of Allah, Will we be held accountable for what we said, for what we say? He, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, said, May your mother be bereft of you. 
is there anything that topples people on their faces, or he said on their noses, into the hellfire, other than the jests of their tongues. Related by Tirmidhi who said, this hadith is, found, is fine and sound. Now, this hadith, subhanAllah, part of it we've taken in previous lessons, part of it we'll take today. But it is basically something that shows you, one, what, clo- what brings you close to Jannah, two, what pushes you away from the hellfire, and three, shows you the doors of goodness and the different forms of goodness itself. Now, the first is the statement of Mu'adh radiallahu an. قَالَ قُلْتُ يَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ O Messenger of Allah, أَخْبِرْنِي بِعَمَلٍ يُدْخِلُنِي الْجَنَّةَ وَيُبَاعِدُنِي عَنِ النَّارِ Tell me of an action that will, any action, of the actions that bring me closer to Jannah and pushes me further away from the hellfire. From this, the scholars state that we can learn of the hirs of the Sahaba. The type of effort that they had to find out what would be bringing them closer to paradise and pushing them away from the hellfire. And remember, the person who is asking this question is Mu'adh ibn Jabal radiallahu an, who we learnt last week, was the most knowledgeable in halal and haram. So he is asking the question, what, O Messenger of Allah, tell me of something that brings me closer to Jannah and pushes me away from the hellfire. In this statement also is the fact that we can be fearful of the hellfire. Because there are certain people that state that we should only worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be in Jannah. That we shouldn't fear the hellfire. That we should only do it out of hope for the paradise. And in this is a clear evidence that the companions were fearful. And they asked what would push us away from the hellfire. Very important. Something that's fine, minute that's mentioned here. And this was mentioned by, I believe, Sheikh Abdul Muhsin. For over here, there is also another thing that is mentioned that both the heaven and the hellfire are created and currently exist because it is something that is mentioned that by the companions as something that is there present. So, what am I supposed to work for and what am I trying to avoid? That is the first statement for something that is showing us. The eagerness of the companions to seek knowledge. The first thing. And then the Prophet ﷺ says, لَقَدْ سَأَلْتَ عَنْ عَظِيمٍ You have asked about a great important matter. What is this doing? It's encouraging the companions to ask questions like this. Don't think that no, any question is too simple. Don't, ask that, don't think that any question is too basic. No. These are the questions that the Prophet ﷺ would like and he encouraged, and when someone says, that's a good question, what's that going to make you do? Try to think of other questions like it. Try to encourage you to ask questions. It's an encouragement by the Prophet ﷺ for Mu'adh ibn Jabal. And he says, وَإِنَّهُ لَيَسِيرٌ عَلَى مَنْ يَسَّرَهُ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى عَلَيْهِ And indeed, it is something that is great, but indeed it is something that is easy for the one who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes it easy for. So over here the Prophet ﷺ is teaching us that at the end of the day it all goes back to whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes it easy for his creation. You don't have the ability inside of you except that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows you to come close to him. And this is from the favors of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. From the favors of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that he makes things easy for you so that you can come closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is something that isn't guaranteed. There are other people that, are, that have something that is called hirman. They are not able to come close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Hurimu min dalik. They are actually something that is actually something that is pushing them away. There is something that's there as a barrier in between this and that. What is it? Usually it's sin. Usually it's sin. Now, this whole process of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowing you to come close to Him, allowing things to become easy for you, allowing you to be worshipping Him, this can actually be done through you also. 
too many dots. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, Surah Layl, and we've all mentioned, yani memorized these verses, inshaAllah. فَأَمَّا مَنْ أَعْتَى وَاتَّقَى As for the one who gives in charity and has taqwa, fears Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is conscious of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, وَصَدَّقَ بِالْحُسْنَى And he has believed in al-husna. Al-husna is the best. Al-husna is la ilaha illallah. There's nothing better than la ilaha illallah. He's upon tawheed. The one who gives in charity. The one who has taqwa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The one who believes in la ilaha illallah. And that which opposes it. And then we will make easy for him the good. So over here, you can come closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but you have to do good so that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows you to do good. And this is something that is very, very important. That you can do good, and this only encourages goodness also. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make it easy, but what you have to do is come close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is also part of the meaning that we took a long time ago, inshallah, most of you remember, all of you remember, inshallah. Then whoever takes a step towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will run to him. And this is yani, that whole thing, you take the first step. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make things easy for you. However, you can't be sitting in under your blanket at the time of Fajr and expect that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will drag you out. No. You have to want it. You have to take the steps. You have to do what you have to do so that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes it easy for you. However, if you don't take those steps, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make it difficult for you. Clear? Alhamdulillah. We have a lot to go through today. This hadith is long, so we have to... Forgive me for how quick this is going to go at some parts. But if anyone has any questions, bad in, inshallah. Tomorrow you can ask Sheikh Muhammad. Uh, then, the Prophet ﷺ, he says, What is these things that are easy for the people? What is the, what is the answer to this question? What brings you closer to the paradise and keeps you away from the hellfire? What is it? What's the answer to the question? And the answer to the question, subhanAllah, is the obligatory matters. The obligatory matters is first and foremost of what brings a person closer to the paradise and pushes him away from the hellfire. And this is the meaning of the hadith of the Prophet that the most beloved actions to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are the obligatory matters. And this is the hadith Qudsi that we previously mentioned in an earlier class. That the most beloved actions to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are the obligatory matters. So this is what is going to bring you closer to the paradise and pushing you further away from the hellfire. Now, over here, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, la bihi Worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and do not commit shirk in him in any possible way. The first يعني, is obviously a tawheed Amr tawheed The first and foremost in everything that comes after uh, is tawheed And subhanallah, we took in the first lesson when we started Hadith Jibreel, I think it might have been lesson three, that what does this يعني, mean? La ilaha illallah, the essence of la ilaha illallah, the conditions of la ilaha illallah. We're not going to go into that today because we've already done it. Inshallah you all remember But what I'm going to specifically mention here Is obviously what is mentioned here Is لا تشرك به شيئا Obviously you have to have complete iman Complete faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala completely Worshipping Him Worshipping Him completely Only Him That nothing goes anywhere else only worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. La tushriku bihi shay'a. Over here, the word shay'a is nakira. And before it is something that is a negation. So over here, nakira over here, shay'a means anything. Don't commit shirk of any kind. 
don't commit shirk, don't associate anything to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala of any form. Or then what does this mean? Every form of shirk. Shirk al-akbar, asghar, and everything in between. So over here, worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, ta'ala solely. Only worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Make sure that your ibadah doesn't go to anyone other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's, يعني, that's what the essence of this is. Don't commit shirk of any kind. And this is something that is very, very يعني, dangerous when we see how expansive shirk is. يعني, something as knocking on wood, something as يعني, putting a horseshoe, something as the blue eye, something, anything that you put your faith in, your tawakkul in, other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it goes against this. It goes against this. So we have to understand that this is the first and most important matter, at tawheed And that which opposes at tawheed is also the most important matter. Then, the Prophet says, وَتُقِيمُ الصَّلَاةِ and to establish the prayer. Now obviously this is al-wajibat. This is the obligatory prayers. And subhanallah, we have, if we look at يعني, the statements of the salaf, of for instance, Umar radiallahu an, he has a statement, لا حظ في الإسلام لمن ترك الصلاة There is nothing in Islam, no one has a share of Islam for the one who leaves the prayer. The person who leaves and abandons the prayer has no share in Islam. Subhanallah. And the hadith of Jabir radiallahu anhu that is found in Sahih Muslim. And the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam aqal, inna bayna rajuli wa bayna shirki wal kufri tarka salah. That between a person and shirk and disbelief is abandoning the prayer. This is something that you, you can't play games with. So over here, the first thing that the Prophet ﷺ mentions is a tawheed, and the second is the manifestation of your faith in actions. And what is it? Your prayer. Your prayer. The prayer itself is a sign of your iman. The prayer itself is a sign of your iman. And if there is something that is a shortcoming in your prayer, then it means there is a shortcoming of your iman. Now we've taken يعني, all of these things, we've taken in class number four, I believe, in the hadith of Jibreel alayhi salam. And to give the charity, and to fast Ramadan, and to perform the pilgrimage to the house, Al-Ka'ba. Now, these are the obligatory matters. This is something that will bring someone to Jannah and push them away from the hellfire. That's the answering of the question. That's, يعني, it's sorted. But the Prophet ﷺ, because of his love of Mu'ad, and because he wants to give him more, he wants to now tell him, okay, you've got the wajibat now, I'm going to tell you what's the next step now. You have the wajibat, you have the obligatory matters, now what comes after the obligatory matters? What's going to bring you even closer to Jannah? Quicker, faster, higher ranks in Jannah. And what's going to keep Jahannam just further and further and further away? So then he says, Should I not guide you to the doors of khair, of goodness? What is he trying to say? is the best of goodness. The greatest forms of goodness. The highest peaks of goodness. Should I not inform you of the great virtuous actions after your obligatory, after your obligatory matters? And then the first that he says is As-Sawmu Jannah. As-Sawmu Jannah. The fasting is a shield. Now, a shield, first and foremost, this is talking about the fasting that is done after Ramadan. 
the fasting excluding Ramadan. Ramadan makes you a Muslim. <laughs> this isn't <laughs> Ramadan is you have to do it whether you like it or not. This is the fasting that is tatawwur, that which is the sunnah, the voluntary, the ones that you do above and beyond your Monday, Thursdays, your day on, day off. Everyone with me? Alhamdulillah. What is it? The Prophet ﷺ says, it is a shield. Now why is it called a shield? Because it is meant to remind you of the hudud of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The rights of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is supposed to shield you because you're in a constant state of awareness. Of the rights of Allah and the rights of the people. It is meant to be a shield because you are in a constant state of awareness of the rights of Allah and the rights of the people. And this is meant to be a spiritual cleanse. And this is meant to be something that keeps you away from sin. And this is meant to be something that keeps your shahwa in check. Your lusts and desires. And the Prophet ﷺ stated to the shabab, whoever is able to get married, فليتزوج. Whoever is able to get married, let him get married. Whoever isn't, <laughs> may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy for everyone who isn't. What's the, what's, <laughs> too many people look depressed as soon as their face dropped. <laughs> what is, <laughs> what is the thing, what is the person supposed to do if he isn't able to get married and he keeps getting knocked, knocked back? We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make his affairs easy and make, yani, him a leader of those who are married. What is he meant to do? He is meant to fast. Why? It helps him keep patient. It helps him to keep his shahwa in check. His desires in check. Hafid ibn Rajab, rahimahullah, mentions a beautiful statement. He says, whoever's fasting does not shield him from the sins of this dunya, then it will not shield him from the punishment of the akhirah. Whoever's fasting does not become a shield for him against sin in this dunya, then it will not be a shield from the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the akhirah. And that's what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be, fasting, a shield that you have against sin. And that is supposed to cause a shield against the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, there are statements of the salaf, and things that are mentioned from the Israeliyat, but basically some of the Salaf have stated that fasting is like a person going to war with a shield. That is exactly what fasting is like. A person going out into the battlefield with just a shield, that is what fasting is meant to be. You're going out to the dunya of temptation, the dunya that we are in, of lusts and desires. And it is supposed to cover you and protect you from that which is outside. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his protection. Then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, وَالصَّدَقَةُ تُطْفِئُ الْخَطِيئَةَ كَمَا يُطْفِئُ الْمَاءُ النَّارِ That the charity, it extinguishes, subhanallah, it extinguishes the sins, wipes away the sins, just like water extinguishes fire. Subhanal Khaliq. Now, over here, again, this sadaqah, this charity, <coughs> is not the zakah. It's not the zakah. What this charity is, is the charity that you give after zakah. The charity that you give afterwards. Now, something that is important to note is that this charity is not just only wealth. It can be other forms of charity. Smiling in the face of your brother is a charity. Smiling. Well, this is a forgotten sunnah. I mean, everyone is walking, mean, mugging everyone. Everyone is bridging up to everyone these days. Astaghfirullah, you walk down the street, no one has a smile on their face. 
smiling in the face of your brother. My sister, astaghfirullah, <laughs> smiling in the face of your brother is a charity. Loosen up with your brothers. This is your brother. It's as if you haven't seen him in a long time. Put some happiness in his heart. Wallahi, you don't understand how miserable people are. People are facing a lot of social anxiety, a lot of depression, a lot of just general anxiety. Place some happiness in their hearts with just minimal thing that you can do. The most minimal, most basic thing you can do. Smile in the face of your brother. Other forms of charity, it could be good words to your brother. Good words. And subhanAllah, this comes to whoever has nothing good to say, then stay quiet. Don't talk. Speak that which is good. And this all comes into giving good charity. And then, of course, then you have the charity of the world. But that doesn't mean that you can run amok on everyone else with every other form of bad adab. And that you don't have to do anything except just chuck a 50 in there at the end. It's okay. It doesn't work like that. You have to be يعني, thinking of your brothers in the best possible way. And the best possible way, the least you could do, talk to them nicely. Talk to them nicely. <laughs> Put a smile on your face. يعني, you have a beautiful smile. All of you, akramakumullah, mashallah, tabarakallahman. Then the Prophet sallallahu continues on with the doors of goodness. And he says, وَالصَّلَاةُ الرَّجُلِ فِي جَوْفِ اللَّيْنِ And the prayer of a person in the middle of the night. Now, Jawf al-Layl has يعني, different uh, meanings. Some people have said that it's the middle of the night. Some people have said that it's the last third of the night. Some people have said, Ibn Rajab rahimahullah says, that it's the fifth, sixth of the night. And the fifth, sixth of the night, which I'm pretty sure is the last third. <coughs> Allahu alam. Isn't it? It seems like it. The fifth, sixth of the night. Uh, for there is different opinions on this But subhanallah This is a great door of goodness And the person who prays This night prayer Qiyamul Layl And this is not just Ramadan Taraweeh Qiyamul Layl is done Whenever Throughout the whole year But why is this such a door of goodness? It is something that is done privately Personally Something that is away from all forms of riyah all forms of showing off, something that is done as a secret generally between you and Allah. And the scholars state that it is a time that you usually reflect on the Qur'an that has been revealed. And this is the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِنَّ رَبَّكَ يَعْلَمُ أَنَّكَ تَقُومُ أَدْنَى مِنْ ثُلُثَيِ اللَّيْلِ وَنِصْفَهُ وَثُلُثَهُ that indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows that you pray, you stand in prayer a little less than two-thirds of the night or a half of the night or a third of the night. SubhanAllah, this is the sunnah of the Prophet that he would stand long hours of the night, long hours engaging in prayer. And this is why that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam then read the following verse, Surah <coughs> Their sides forsake their beds to invoke their Lord in fear and hope. Yani, they're not sleeping. And what brings them out of their beds is their fear and their hope. And they spend out of what they out of what we have bestowed on them, no person knows. What is kept hidden for them of joy as a reward for what they used to do. (coughs) 
But over here, the Prophet sallallahu is informing us that the people of Qiyamul Layl have the great reward of this. That it is a special reward that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has provided for them. And the scholars have stated that the best prayer after the obligatory prayers is Qiyamul Layl, the night prayers. Now if someone can't pray the night prayer, and he, he can't wake up, the skin wakes up 10 minutes before and the sun comes up, what's he supposed to do? Is there anything for him? 100% there is. And some of the Sahaba would pray their witr before they slept, because they knew that they weren't going to wake up before Fajr. And this is not putting them under a negative line, or not trying to disrespect them, but rather it shows that every person is different in his capabilities. And it didn't take away from their niyyah of wanting to, it's they just knew practically they couldn't. So if you can't pray يعني, half an hour before Fajr, an hour before Fajr, two hours before Fajr, the least you could do is pray your witr. And يعني, the witr prayers, subhanAllah, the athar of the salaf on the witr prayer is unbelievable. But the يعني, bare minimum that you can do is pray your witr before sleeping. And some of the ulama have stated that this was a sunnah, sunnah of Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala an. Now, <coughs> this is يعني, obviously the great foundation of Qiyamul Layl, the greatest prayer after the obligatory prayers. But then the Prophet wants to tell him even more. And he says, That should I not tell you of what is the peak, the peak of this? This religion And its foundation What is it built upon? The umud You know The, the foundations The walls That it's built upon The highest point Its peak What is these three things? So He says Mu'adh Eager to learn Bala ya Rasulullah Of course I want to know Ya Rasulullah and it says, Rasul Amr, the greatest point, the greatest matter of this religion, Al Islam. Submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon tawheed. Worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala only and only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Al Islam. That's the يعني, the most important thing in this religion. And first يعني, is your Islam, your Iman, making sure that you're a Mu'min, making sure you're a Muslim. And then he says, what is that faith built upon? What is it built upon? What's the practical example of your faith? Your prayer. That is what shows that you're a Mu'min or not. وَذِرْوَةُ <clears throat> الْجِهَادِ And its highest point is fighting for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Jihad Fi sabilillah Now, the scholars like Sheikh Abdul Muhsin Abbad Hafizahullah tabarak wa ta'ala and others like Sheikh Sa'd al-Shithri Hafizahullah tabarak wa ta'ala have stated that this covers both the jihad of the nafs and the jihad against the munafiqeen and the kuffar both and this is something that the fuqaha have spoken about. Now, the jihad of the nafs is fighting against the urges, the temptations, the lusts and desires of this world. Fighting your nafs so that it can perform worship and abstain from that which is evil. That's the nafs that you have to tame, that you have to control. And that is what you will be doing until the day you die. That never ends. Now, the fighting... The physical fighting has conditions and it has different types. No. <laughs> Too many people are now looking. Wallah, what is he going to say next? <laughs> Asia. Um, what is the, 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 the next, yani the, the types of jihad? Obviously, there is that which is obligatory and that which is a sunnah. And that which is obligatory upon every person, and that which is fard kifai, something that is 
obligatory upon those that are closest, those that can, and if they commit to it, then it falls off the rest. And this is a class of hadith and not fiqh. So ask your fiqh teachers, what is the difference of each one? Generally, generally, why this is mentioned as the peak, Imam Ahmad, rahimahullah, he states that the greatest voluntary action after the obligatory matters is jihad. Covers both jihad and nafs and the jihad that you all know. Now, why is it called the peak of this matter? Yani obviously, as it's mentioned generally, we can't, yani we have to call a spade a spade. When it's mentioned in our texts, the jihad that is mentioned is fighting against the kuffar in its prescribed time, place, in its proper manner. Yani killing those who jihad is not upon is of the greatest sin, is murder. Clear and cut. Yani if jihad isn't there, and I'm not saying there's jihad here in this country, yani come on, relax. But please, yani the, the scholars, the last yani time, for instance, there was something that was clear cut, for instance, was Afghanistan. For instance, I'm not saying anything else, I'm just saying, last I remember, for, yani, of the world coming together, was against the Soviets when they came against Afghanistan. And what happened, subhanAllah, was that the world was united from every corner. Hatta one of my sheikhs in Medina, a few of them, subhanAllah, but I remember يعني, one of my sheikhs in Medina, they said that the university even said, whoever wants to drop their studies now and go, Ahl Sahlan will pay for your ticket, you guys can go and come back and continue your studies after you finish. To that level. But don't think that the ummah is blinded and no one cares about the rest of the ummah. No, it's all about... When everything is clear cut, justifiable, everything has its proper conditions. Don't think that the ummah is sleeping. Don't think that everything has to be in its right time, right place. And it's not that I call out over here in this masjid and tell you all, Bismillah, follow me. No. Unifi- there has to be unity, a body, quwa, proper actual steps. It's not just backyard and astaghfirullah. But so I want you all to understand that. It has certain conditions and it has appropriate time frames and it's not something that is just you take it and oh, you decide when jihad is. It's not like that. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his understanding and his protection. Qultu, uh, then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said Should I not tell you of that which controls all of it? That which is the source of all of that, all of good. Should I not tell you of the most important matter? Bismillah, he told us about salah, he told us about giving, told us about jihad. What's, what's the most important thing? So the mu'ad now is, Jubala ya Rasulullah, tell me ya Rasulullah, please tell me, of course I want to know. And then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, takes his tongue and says, Kuffa alayka hadha, hold, hold. Stop yourself from this. Stop talking. Stop. Stop talking. Just stop this. Stop this. Withhold this. Your tongue. Mu'ad now trips out. Mu'ad actually now is confused. Mu'ad then says, Ya Nabi Allah, wa inna lamu'akhaduna bima natakallam bi. Are we going to be taken, O Messenger of Allah, for what we speak about? I thought it's just like if we do something, not if we actually speak about it. Are, are we going to be held accountable for what we talk about? Then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, ummuka ya Mu'ad. May your mother be bereft of you. May your mother lose you. What? This is heavy. You know, the Prophet sallallahu making dua against someone. And not just anything. He's saying... You all understand what it means. I'm not going to say it. So now, what does this statement mean? Sheikh Ibn Uthameen, rahimahullah, mentions that this statement means it's point, giving a point across to do you know what you're saying? I didn't expect this from you. Do you know what you're saying? Do you know the severity of what you're saying? 
How can you not know what you are saying? That is what this يعني, entails. And the dua of the Prophet ﷺ against his someone, the Prophet ﷺ says in a hadith found in Sahih Muslim, as a, if I recall correctly, the Prophet ﷺ states that the dua of me against one of you, if it goes against someone and he is not deserving, then it is for him a cleansing, for him a cleansing and wiping away of sin. And he says in the hadith that I become angry just as anyone else becomes angry. But I have a covenant with my Lord that if I make dua against someone and he is not deserving of it, then it becomes a wiping away of sin for him. So inshallah, this is something of that يعني, accord. And then he says, وَهَلْ يَكُبُّ النَّاسَ The Prophet ﷺ continues, بِالنَّارِ عَلَى وُجُوهِمْ أَوْ قَالَ عَنَا مَنَاخِرِهِمْ إِلَّا حَصَائِدُ أَلْفِنَتِهِمْ Well, the, is there anything that dra- that pulls people into the hellfire on their faces or on their noses, dragged into the hellfire, except with what they say. Yani, is there anything else that's more than this? No, this is the most that pulls people into the hellfire. This is the action that pulls people into the hellfire the most. And subhanallah, if we look at this, we see that the tongue can bring you into disrepute in everything. In the matters of your religion, if you speak utterance of kufr, or if someone becomes misguided from your tongue, or if you say something that is, for instance, mocking the religion, or if you say something religiously that's incorrect, giving fatwa without knowledge. (coughs) Religious issues from the tongue. So your religion can be detrimental if your tongue is not upright, your tongue can cause you into something that is very severe. Then, if we look at, for instance, a person and his dealings, his business, مثلاً. Handmade, I made this myself, he bought it from China. I swear, I, I, I pulled it off the tree, got it from Woolies. He's, all these things, it's organic, 100%, he put sukkar in it himself. The amount of people that, يعني, that bring their lives into disrepute from their business dealings, it's fresh. I made it myself. I didn't get it from there. Don't go there. He's, a, he's one to business dealings. So your tongue causes all these problems, all these mashakil, all of these problems. Handmade. <laughs> Relax. That's one whole issue. Huh? Your business dealings. Then your family issues. Abuse at home, verbal abuse at home, mocking someone in your household, putting people down, being disrespectful to the elders, being disrespectful to the youngins, being disrespectful generally, usually comes out with your tongue, swearing, vulgar language. Then, in the community, in a communal base, spreading lies, mischief, ghiba, namima. Backbiting, slandering people, one and the same. Doing this from the tongue. What, the cause of all of this, what was it? The tongue. So it can affect a society. It can affect your religion. It can affect your household. It can affect everything. And what's the source of it? Your tongue. And that's why the Prophet ﷺ says this is the greatest affair. Your tongue. Hold on to it. Hold your tongue. Hold your tongue. And the Prophet ﷺ has told us of previous ahadith that we've taken. Someone doesn't have anything good to say, then let him remain silent. And we've taken this hadith. But this is something that is very, very important. Some of the salaf have stated that this is the door of the greatest good. Now, I, want, I know uh, some people are just angry with me now. Khalas, this, this sheikh is just going too much now. I want to read you three statements of the Salaf. First, Ibn Abbas, radiallahu an. Ibn Burayda, as mentioned by Hafiz uh, Ibn Jawzi, rahimahullah. In, uh, Ibn, Ibn Rajab, afwan, uh, in uh, Jam Ulum al Hikam. Ibn Burayda says, I saw Ibn Abbas, radiallahu an taking his tongue and he says 
وَيْحَكْ Woe to you. Woe to you. He says, if you say good, say good, and you will see bounty. Say good, and you will receive bounty. He says, or stay silent, and you will be protected. Stay silent, and you will be protected. And if not, then you will regret. If not, then you will regret. <coughs> then, another statement of Ibn Mas'ud, and then he says, after taking an oath by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, swearing an oath by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, there is nothing more in need to be imprisoned than the tongue. By Allah, there is nothing that is more in need to be imprisoned than the tongue. Uh, Imam al-Hasan, Imam al-Hasan, Al-Basri rahimahullah, says that the tongue is the king and controller of the body. And subhanallah, he says wherever the tongue takes it, it goes. If it does, yani if it does something that is bad, then the body will do something that is bad. And if it is protected, then it is protected. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to allow us to see the gravity of the things we say. And yes, that which you type takes the same ruling. That which is yani you, you say online, that which you do online takes the same ruling as that which you say. It is yani, a form of communication. And that is also on your scales. And subhanallah, there has never been a time where this has been such a fitna in the Islamic history. Because never has one person been able to send a message to a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand, a million, two million people in a click of a button or a Twitter or a Facebook post or an Instagram or a TikTok halla. But we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his protection because these things subhanallah have grave consequences. This is something that now when we see it, we understand. Is there anything that is going to pull people on their faces or on their noses more than their tongue? We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his protection from speaking with that which is untrue, for speaking to that which lands us into the hellfire. Wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam wa jazakumullahu khayran wa salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. This program was presented by Al-Bayan Radio, the voice of Ahlus Sunnah wal Jama'ah.